Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the new series of the Olive Magazine podcast, Raise Your Cooking Game. I'm Janine, Deputy Editor and Podcast Host. Each episode, I'll be consulting our cookery team experts to take a deep dive into a different subject with tips, tricks and advice for getting it right. And do listen out for our weekly bonus episodes where we'll be focusing on a classic recipe from the archive and explaining how to make it with perfect results every time. In this episode, I'm joined by our sister magazine, BBC Good Foods recipe developer and ex-pastry chef, Liberty, to talk about her pet subject, pastry. Welcome, Liberty. Hello, it's lovely to be here. For the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us your pastry credentials, please? Oh, that makes them sound very glamorous. Um, I haven't um, really been out of doing pastry for long. I've been at Good Food for two years. And then I spent the majority of my early years being a chef, as a pastry chef. So I trained for three years at Westminster Kingsway and um, did my final year specializing in patisserie and then went on to be a pastry chef at the House of Commons. Um, And then before that, I worked in the Ritz and the Langham and all big hotels doing their pastry. So um, I know a fair few tips and tricks. Well, let's go um, into um, pastry technique and talk about some of the steps to success and things you can do to make you a better pastry maker. Mm -hmm. Let's start with temperature control. Everyone always says you can't make pastry if you've Mm -hmm. got hot hands. Is that true? (laughs) Yes, but you can. (laughs) Well, oh gosh, when I was training in my final exam, we had to make a lemon tart and it was 35 degrees and it was just melting and going everywhere. So I would say a cold kitchen is beneficial, Um, but it is important. And also I would say to have all your ingredients cold is also essential because um, that is the basis of keeping it all cold. Um, So your butter and sometimes even your flour, um, if that's warm, can affect it. Um, So keeping everything cold, chilling it, keeping it in the fridge, is really important. So you're just giving yourself the best possible start there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if it's if it's warm outside and you've forgotten, maybe can you put your flour in the freezer for a couple of minutes just to get That's it out? That's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one for you. What's the downside to not keeping everything cold? It would just because pastry and especially like short crust or um sweet paste um has such a high butter content and obviously when butter gets warm it will melt and so which will mean that your pastry will just become sticky and really really hard to work with so keeping everything cold just ensures that it's firm enough that you Mm -hmm. can actually use it and does that mean it's one of the those situations where it's never it has happened Mm -hmm. to me (laughs) where you're kind of the side of your tart just sinks in the oven that's because it's just too warm absolutely so when you um line your tin if you don't chill it properly it will shrink back because it's not cold enough so it is essential initially when you're making the pastry to chill it but once it is lined you need to chill it again otherwise it will shrink back yeah so chilling at every Mm -hmm. stage that's a good one um what about kind of 
working the pastry I mean is it I know with we had another um, episode with Adam about bread and that's all about hands-on and getting in there Mm -hmm. and kneading with pastry is it the opposite yes absolutely so you want to make a short pastry so a short pastry is one that's really crumbly and really delicious and not tough um you want to not overwork it the more you work it the more you stretch out the gluten and the tougher it will be so you want it to be um you have to have super light hands and just you'll know when it's ready when everything's combined and once everything's combined you don't want to work it anymore yeah. okay cool yeah um what about kind of temperature wise because we talked mm-hmm. about getting things how come if you put the the pastry in the oven and it's a hot oven how come it just doesn't melt I mean how does that work with temperature in terms of you know hot to cold <laughs> um, I, okay I'm I'm not a scientist <laughs> but I'm assuming when you get your pastry really really cold um the difference between that and when you put it into a really hot oven mm. means that it's not going to melt gradually and then harden it's yeah. just going to like have that initial burst of heat and keep its structure um so you want your oven at about 190 if you're making short crust or sweet paste just so it is really warm enough to not just gradually melt, melt it, all the butter and if you've got a dodgy oven you want to you want to preheat and make yes. sure it's at the temperature it's at and my top tip for everybody is to get an oven thermometer <laughs> just it will save your life a lot of hassle <laughs> knowing exactly what temperature your oven is if it is a little bit dodgy. Yeah. And it, so you said 190. So is that the optimum temperature for making that lovely biscuity? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, that's really important. And to have a lovely golden crust, you need it that warm. But then for something like puff, you'd need it at about 200 yeah. just to make it. Because it needs a blast of heat mm-hmm. from the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tell us about blind baking. Why is blind baking important? Well, what does blind baking mean, just for people who don't know? So important. Um, it's a phrase you hear on every every cooking show. It basically means to give your pastry case or whatever you're making an initial cook with something like baking beans in it, so that when you take it out and put your filling in, the pastry doesn't rise back up. It pushes it down to start with. So when you say rise up, you mean like the actual bottom of the pastry case? Yeah. Sort of puff? Yeah. yeah. So the bottom of the pastry case, when you put it in the oven, if you didn't blind bake it, it would just puff back up um, and rise up and you wouldn't have a case. And are we trying to sort of par cook it as well? I mean, does it stop, for example, when you put your filling in? Is that going to help yeah. stop the soggy bottom? As- Absolutely. I, I say it varies what filling you're doing because sometimes you don't have to blind bake it but normally if it is a wet filling like if you're doing a lemon tart or anything with frangipan I would normally blind bake so um it means that it's going to stop all the moisture sinking into your un- uncooked pastry basically and so you won't have a soggy bottom I have seen wants. I have seen recipes I read one recently where it said you won't have to blind bake it but mm-hmm. I think it was an American recipe using a um a metal pie tin and I think because they cooked it for so long yeah because if you cook it long enough it will eventually that's true and some of them are really good because they've got holes in which just means the air and the steam oh. and all of the heat can get into the bottom of the um tin and also if there's a recipe like that I'd recommend getting a flat sheet baking sheet and putting that in the oven first letting that heat up and then slide your tart in so oh, it's got nice. extra heat from the bottom to make sure it's not so that's really going to crisp that up awesome. and get nice and mm-hmm. yeah um and then finally getting a lovely so for, for example if you've made this gorgeous pastry mm. 
you're making something like an apple pie and I want to get that lovely glaze on top of the pastry, but not burnt. Like, yes. how, what's the best technique to oh, achieve that? There's nothing better than a golden pastry. <laughs> on things like a pork pie. God, I'm making myself hungry. Um, I would say a few things that I've learned along the way um, is, so you have a normal egg glaze, which is just an egg beaten up. But you can also just use the yolk to make it a lot darker. Um, and then the next level up is to add a little bit of salt to the egg yolk give that a little bit of a mix and it just breaks down the yolk um, and makes the glaze a lot darker. Um, oh. which so is the, the salt actually affects the colour? Yeah, um, which I've always found really interesting. And then what sometimes you do, something like a sausage roll, if you want it really gorgeous and golden, um, you would glaze it initially, then put it back in the fridge or even the freezer for a little bit, wait till that glaze is set and then mm. take it back out and egg wash it again. So it's got a double egg wash um, to make it even more golden. And if I wanted to score some nice patterns on the top of the glaze, at what mm -hmm. point would I do that? I would normally do it um, at the last minute. So like if you were doing a pativier, which is um, made with puff pastry and then you score it. Oh, it's got those lovely like spiral lines out mm -hmm. from the center. Hasn't normally it? in a yeah. circle. It's really beautiful. Um, I would always score it at the end um, before you um, put it in the oven, but after you've egg washed it. Because you know, you know when you're egg washing something and it just goes into the cracks. Yeah. And you're left with like an eggy. Yeah. Why did I bother doing that? Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess if you're egg if you've if you've done your egg wash mm -hmm. and then you've set it in the fridge for a little while and then when you're scoring into it with the back of the knife, yeah, you um you're actually creating a, a lovely contrast between the golden so glaze and the thing. So that's yes, lovely. I didn't even think of that. So cool. True. Okay, so in our next bit, I just want to talk about um, common misconceptions people have about pastry, maybe because they've just heard them, their mum or mm -hmm. their grandma told them, or, you know, the internet told them. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not saying your parents are wrong. Um. <laughs> and our grandmas certainly are not wrong. Um, so one of them is, and I think this is kind of partly true, is that butter is the best and only thing that you can use to make good pastry. Yeah, definitely a common misconception. I mean, it is. It's a great, lovely, delicious flavor and has a great texture. But you can also use loads of other things. There's amazing vegan butters out there that are just as good for making pastry. Um, I've seen people make it with coconut oil. Really, anything that is sort of, well, that is a fat that will set um, should a solid work. fat. Yeah. Stick around for more expert pastry advice from Liberty. We were recommended Vegan Baking Block by mm. Richard Makin. Yes. And he said it acts, I think it's the same thing that they use in, you know, like standard um, supermarket puff, where it's usually vegan. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't really, I mean, all butter puff is gorgeous. But actually, if you're making a sausage That's roll, yeah. you don't really need to have all butter puff no it's you a bit can't of a, really tell the difference no so That's it's a so good clever. thing yeah. but yeah it's, it's good as well the, the different fats that you use I think mm -hmm. I think the difference comes in the um I made olive oil pastry once and it was beautiful and like you said it's super crumbly and mm. short but um it doesn't color at all <laughs> at all no and you can't even use an egg to glaze it if no. you're doing a vegan one yeah so it's, um, it can be quite anemic looking absolutely but I sometimes find that if you just glaze it for a bit of um like plant milk or oh, yeah. anything that normally works um, as an egg replacement. Yeah. The next one is um, rubbing rubbing fat into flour. So I was taught <laughs> at school 
that we have to rub it to the texture of small breadcrumbs. <laughs> small breadcrumbs. Well, um, yeah, everyone normally says sand or, or, or sand, something, yeah. something like that. But there are many, many different ways to make pastry. And of course, we're all taught that. And we're also taught to put it in a food processor if you don't have time, which is also a great tip. But um, loads of chefs have now started barely rubbing it in. So similarly to how you would do a rough puff. So you'd add in your flour and just lightly with the top of your fingers, um, gradually incorporate it. But um, I've seen people um, do that and then add in your water um, and knead it all together. And what it gives you is this pie, or if you're making a tart tin, a tart um, crust that is sort of flaky and Mm. has a rough puff feel to it because the butter isn't fully incorporated so it gives you all the lovely layers yeah so the butter acts like so when you make puff mm-hmm. pastry with people who never had the pain of making puff pastry <laughs> from scratch we both have i can see it in your eyes yep um, but you literally have to summer you have to incorporate sheets like sheets and sheets and sheets of mm-hmm. butter which get thinner and thinner and thinner yeah and, and you when you're folding it, it yeah. and rolling out and then folding it and rolling it out and then when you bake it as she said it will puff up yeah and what's happening is the is the the butter's kind of making a little hydrated layer between the flour and butter mm-hmm. mix and then yeah. making layers. Which yeah. is, So in a way you're doing, leaving your um, butter a bit lumpy is doing a very, like you said, rough puff version yeah. of that. Delicious. Which is great. Brilliant. You know, everyone and should do work. that. Um, and then on to rolling. If, what, if, what if I don't want to roll my pastry out? <laughs> Liberty. <laughs> what if I don't want to? What if I don't want the hassle? Well, Barney from the Good Food Cookery team, I must give him credit because he taught me this tip. Tip? Trick? Tip and trick. Um, that you have to, if your pastry is really, really short, and by short, I mean it's crumbly, and which is great. It means you haven't overworked it. But I would say... If you don't want to roll it out or if it's a nightmare to roll out, if you put it into a little um, cylinder shape Mm. and leave it in the fridge to set up just for a little bit and then you slice it and push it into your um, tin to line it so you don't have to roll it out. You can just push it with your fingers into the tin so it's all an even Mm. kind of um, size across the tin. So you're cutting it into like little discs. Cut it into discs. And then you're, you're the doing discs. like a patchwork mm-hmm. yeah. quilt effect. <laughs> so on hard your... to explain, but yes, lay it all <laughs> into the tin, push it in, um, and then you would continue and like blind bake it. It just is a lot easier, especially if you have a really warm kitchen. That is And also that, that, um, that is what we were saying earlier mm-hmm. about like not touching your pa- the least amount of work. <laughs> That's going to give you like super really, short pastry. Really short well, pastry. It? It's genius. Um, <laughs> and yeah. no no rolling pin needed <laughs> exactly Gee, absolutely brilliant tips okay so can you give me some um some nice suggestions so people are you know they've got their short crust mm-hmm. um they're making a tart or a pie what can they incorporate into the pastry and what should they not um I, I guess nothing too liquidy so yeah. what, what can we put in the pastry yeah you don't really want to alter the consistency of the pastry um because obviously if you add more liquid it's going to be a nightmare to roll out so what I would say is obviously if you've seen any quiches or anything like that and any savory bakes that incorporate cheese into their pastry mm. delicious so something <laughs> like a parmesan or even cheddar or seen people do red leicester so like a hard a hard cheese, a hard cheese harder the better grated 
quite finely into the pastry. So I've normally incorporated it at the flour stage. Um, so you know that it's all going to be incorporated and combined and you end up with a big lump of cheese, but delicious nonetheless. And do you have to be careful about the amount of cheese you put in? Because that is fat, it's pure fat, isn't yeah. it, again? So yeah. you don't want to sort of um, tip the scales the wrong way. No, of course, absolutely. Um, so I would, I'd use a little bit less um, fat in the pastry and then you can compensate that with a little bit more water. Maybe adjust it, and yeah. just do it by eye. Cool. Um, but we do have many recipes on both the Olive and Good Food Recipe um, website that have loads of recipes. Um, anything else apart from cheese? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think what. Um, Esther Clark from our cookery team put in some cinnamon into her nice. pastry, which was delicious. It was in a giant egg custard tart. And it just worked so well because it gave a really lovely flavor. And it wasn't too strong, but you could really tell that it was in the pastry. So that's delicious. They're what really about using different flowers? I mean, I've heard of like mm -hmm. spelt, because these days everyone's on the, the new flower tip, aren't they? Yes. So what, what do different flowers bring to a pastry? I, I'd say mainly flavor. I love, um, or since I've joined the cookery team, we normally use rye flour for cookies because it gives this like really delicious mm. um, flavor, which I think would be perfect in a pastry case because it would give a really lovely toasty flavor. A bit of bite flavor, to it as A little well. bit of bite. That would be really nice. You, one thing you have to be careful of, so things like coconut flour and different types of flour um, have a different hydration rate. So basically some will um, need a lot more water than others. Yeah, they'll suck, suck up a lot more moisture. Mm -hmm. For example, like wholemeal, yes. which quiches of the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Um, oh. But yeah, it, it it does make it kind of a nice hot, like I would mm -hmm. say like a nice rustic hearty yeah, like delicious. pastry. But it does, but whole wheat flour really sucks up that hydration. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And so does coconut flour. So it's something to be wary <clears> of. And but... things like seeds and spices. Can yeah. you do anything with that? Seeds would be delicious. I've put some sesame seeds, toasted mm, sesame seeds crunchy. into my pastry before. Really delicious. Um, spices. Yes, absolutely. Chili flakes would be really beautiful in nice. them as well. Um, anything dry yeah. and that won't alter the um, texture or consistency of it, I would say would be your go-to so things like adding lemon zest or orange zest or that's a good show something like that would be really delicious what about vanilla can you put vanilla oh, in? yeah vanilla i've added almond um extract oh yeah in before but only a little bit um so obviously you don't want to make it too wet but yeah can you put ground almonds in a pastry yeah it would alter the consistency you wouldn't want to overdo it and yeah. go too far and it would be an absolute nightmare to roll out um, but things, if things are a nightmare to roll out, what I would say is put them between two sheets of greaseproof paper. Yes. So even if they are sticky or a nightmare to work with, if you roll them out between two sheets of greaseproof paper, it will be fine. And then if it's still sticky, put it in the fridge for like 30 minutes and it won't be. <laughs> That's the kind of practical tip <laughs> that, we, that we need. Thank you. From so many yeah. horrific mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant one to end on. Oh, thank you so much for coming to chat to us oh, today, Liberty. It's been so lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the Olive Magazine podcast. For more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, head to olivemagazine.com.